0: So nice to see you, so glad you're here, oh, 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 we want to
1: know
0: Jesus, we want to grow like him, we want to know, try and fight your coffee addictions. Alright, guys, good to see you, Uh, welcome to Church in the Round, we like to do this one time time just to mix it up and enjoy worshipping together in a different way. Do you know what I really enjoy? I really enjoy seeing other people when I'm worshipping, just to be able to look at other people and, I know it sounds a bit weird, but like just to be able to see other people engaged, it sounds, it's really fun. Uh, if you have a Bible with you, I'd love you to turn to Matthew chapter 5. If not, don't worry, it's going to come up on the screen, you'll be able to see this text in a minute. We are kind of midway through this uh, series looking at what is, what is the church called to be, and what does it look like in our time and as we reflect on the church about being God's people, and uh, we said there are moments in, this, in the Bible where we read about uh, God's people. They're God's people in in Eden, uh, pre-4, where they're connected to God's presence. Uh, God's people in Revelation 21 and 22, the other end of the Bible, where we see God's, God with his people. And then also when Jesus is... Um, with his people physically in the Gospels when he was here on earth. Those are the kind of three moments where most acutely we see God, uh, God's presence with his people. And we're going to lean into those narratives over these weeks just to look at what was that community all about? What were God's people all about? And there are, seem to be four themes that come up time and time again that we're, we're digging into. For those of you here, last week we began by looking at talent. And we began by looking at saying God created each one of us uniquely and in different ways. um, That the work of our hand, the vocational work of our hands, whether that's in in school where we're we're studying, whether it's in a paid job, whether it's parenting, um, whether it's volunteering, whatever it might be, the kind of vocational work of our hands is something that we offer in worship um, to God. That there's a sense in which we see these uh, God's people being a people of the temple. Uh, And by temple, we mean a place where God's presence resided with his people. And that's the narrative we see throughout scripture. What does it mean to be a temple people, those kind of living in God's um, presence and living out of God's presence? We see um, them being a people of, of the table. So gathered around a table, doing life uh, together around a table, sharing food with one another, sharing life with one another, and doing that. You know, we, say, we said it last week, but when we look at Jesus' life, he was either walking from a meal to a meal or he was at a meal. That was his strategy. Uh, So let's not downplay the importance of food and just sharing that together. Amen. And by the way, when Mwende calls out uh, Chiquaza, saying there's only ever a picture of him eating, that's because all he does is eat. (laughs) It's not like we just happen to capture him eating. That's all he ever does. Uh, I think we basically pay you to eat, don't we? (laughs) Uh, And then finally, and what we're looking at today is transformation. What does it mean to be a people of of transformation? And this is not just kind of in the big and the massive. This is in the kind of, what is every day? How does our world begin to look different? Because what God is doing and through us in our city, in our neighborhoods, in our families, and in our communities. So let's read Matthew chapter 5 and verse 43. What are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Lord God, this is your word. This is your your vision. And this is what you call us to. And Lord, I pray tonight as we reflect, as we talk, that we would just be imbibed by your Spirit. Call us to, to action for you. Shape in us something... Of you and of your glory, come, Lord Jesus. We pray, Amen. So, like the guy said, there is going to be some uh, bits of paper and some pens around. I don't know quite where they are yet. But someone will find them by the door. Okay, yeah, in the little basket at the back. And guys are just going to go around with them. And as we're talking and I'm interviewing Eunice. If you have any questions about transformation, instead of doing discussion groups, which is what we do some weeks, we're actually going to just take questions from the floor and reflect on them uh, together tonight. But as we talk about transformation, when we read these words, I don't know about you, but as I look at it and it says, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, I think we just dismiss them, right? We basically read that and go, that's just Jesus trying to g people up. He's just trying to be nice and say, come on, guys, try a little bit harder. But Jesus doesn't seem to think so. And if we look carefully at the preceding verses, we see that he cares deeply about this idea of each one of us becoming perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. In this passage, there's kind of an evocation of what we're meant to be, and it's repeated a couple of times. And essentially, this is how you're meant to grow to be like God, not in his power, but in his character. Verse 45 says, We do this so that we may be the children of God verse 48 again says this thing of be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. They're both telling us what we're meant to be like. And how does this happen? Well, it seems to happen in the most insignificant, the seemingly small, and the really hard and really annoying ways. Let's just read this. Love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. I just want to be really clear, there's no sort of textual gymnastics going on here where Jesus is not saying, so by enemy, what I really mean is people who you may have had a disagreement with once like 20 years ago that you're not really bothered about anymore, or someone who just doesn't appreciate your clothing style, just pray for them or whatever. When he says enemy, he means enemies, and he means those who hate you or those who you hate as well. Those who you cannot stand their opinions about politics, about money, about football teams, or whatever it might be. Those who you hate really deeply, are you able to pray for them? Those whose conduct you hate, whose conduct is even wrong, are called to pray for them. Says this if you love those who love you and greet those who greet you, what are you doing more than those around you? Can I be honest? Even my dog, who is as mad as a box of frogs, manages to love those who love her. We're called to a higher standard than this. We're called to a higher standard than my dog. Let's make it really clear. We're called to be better than the dog. But we're called to a standard that, frankly, the world can't make sense of. Because you see, the world will not be changed by being exactly the same as everyone else. We're not meant to be kind of the world, but we're just a little bit extra nice on the side. Where we go, yeah, we're in this culture, we're in this moment, I'm just going to be a little bit, little bit nicer or a little bit kinder. We're called to be radically different. I don't know about you, but I find that really annoying. There are, I struggle at the best of times to pray for those who I love. Not just, like, forget the ones that I don't love. I struggle to pray for the ones I do love. But this is why we're not called to the social justice of our world. The secular social justice movements of our time seek to hate on oppressors, make things equal for everyone, and allow people to live for their dreams. But Jesus' vision of justice is different to this. It says, don't hate on oppressors, pray for them. Don't make things equal, lift people above yourself. The aim is not that we take the last and make them the same as us, it's that we take the last and make them first. And instead of kind of encouraging people to to live for their own dreams and desires, we're called to die to our dreams and desires that we might live for Jesus. We die to ourselves. So how does the small and the seemingly insignificant change the world? I'm not Jesus, but if I had have been, you may have noticed I'm not Jesus, but if I had have been, I think if I was to write what I think the world needed to change on, I wouldn't have said, um, make sure you kind of pray for these people, or make sure you kind of greet these people nicely. I'm not sure that would have been my kind of vision for how we change the world. It's really interesting. One of the criticisms of the Bible, indeed Christianity as a whole, is that it doesn't care about transformation. That's what I hear from people and we see. They say, you know, the Bible seems to enforce or at least condone slavery or poor treatment of women. Now, often I think people miss the context and some of the understanding of this text. And I don't think the Bible does condone these things. But for sure, it doesn't come out blatantly and and say, stand up against slavery, stop this happening, start a revolution. In Ephesians, for instance, as an example, we read, Slaves, obey your earthly masters. And with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. That doesn't sound like the kind of thing we're meant to do. So what's going on here? Well, to Jesus and indeed the writers of the New Testament, simply asking people to act outwardly in a different way was not going to, to change anything. Just by turning to people and telling them they were wrong or starting a fight wouldn't change things, certainly not in the long run. What was needed was not a change in action, but a change in heart. It would take historically hundreds of years to overthrow slavery in the Roman Empire, but it happened. And when it did, it happened way more fully than if they'd fought physically. What they chose to fight with was the love of Jesus. And they poured it out on a community that was not deserving of it, but they exemplified something of Jesus Christ. You see, they began to lead lives that would point to a Savior, that they would point to Jesus seeking transformation. You see, whilst the Christian standard makes no sense to the world, it makes them ask profound questions of Jesus. When we begin to act differently, in small ways, it begins to provoke really um, you know, big questions of people around us. I don't know if you ever see this on, on the news, but when there are families of, of murder victims that have been interviewed, and they're interviewed after the, um, the guilty people have been put in prison, they're often interviewed, and the things they say are, I wish, you know, I think they've been a bit lenient. They should have had more time in prison. Or I'm glad they got their punishment. And no one notices because that's what you're meant to say. But have you seen the few times when people come out and say, I forgive them. I'm going to visit them in jail. I'm going to pray for them. People sit up and they notice. That becomes news. News that becomes something really different that people take notice of. Many of you will have heard of my friend or known, Pete Uko, a good friend of mine. I met him when he was serving uh, time in Committee Maximum Security. He'd been there, wrongly accused of murdering his uh, wife. And it was a cover-up uh, with police corruption, a whole bunch of things. And eventually he was given a presidential pardon. He'd been there nearly 20 years and came out. And I remember interviewing him once, and I said, What do you think is needed to change? And he didn't say the judiciary. He didn't say that we need tougher measures around corruption or different access to legal aid or care. What he said is this he said, People need to find Jesus. And he's right. Because we could change something in a moment, but if people's hearts are not postured towards it, it will never last. It won't change an empire. It won't change a city or a nation. You know, if you want to be a person who keeps the Ten Commandments, don't try and follow some rules. Let Jesus change your heart. That's why the first four commandments are about how we relate to God himself. Dallas Willard said this, The aim of spiritual formation is not behavior modification, but transformation of all those aspects of you and me, where behavior comes from. It's circumcision of the heart. And as our hearts are changed, we become people who make our world look incrementally more like God's kingdom. Guys, we're going to take a one-minute break. Turn to the person next to you. Tell them they look beautiful and ask them if, you have, if they have a question that they want to ask you this and make it really tricky. And make, it about, <laughs> and make it about transformation. Like, what does it look like for us to be a people of transformation? And Eunice and I are going to do this interview in just a minute or two. So, guys, chat to people around you and come up with some good questions. Eunice. What's up? Take two.
1: <laughs> Let's do this.
0: <laughs> um, I've just heard Mwende saying that she's going to write down a question. <laughs> Given the way that she went off script earlier, <laughs> I dread to think what questions she's going to come up with. So just, so just, to, be, just to be really clear... <laughs> This isn't like, hey, Eunice, where did you get your shoes from?
1: <laughs> and this was supposed to be my team. Look at praise. Look at, I can't believe look it, Look at guys. your corner.
0: What kind of corner is this, Eunice? I don't
1: know. I'm moving to this side.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Eunice, welcome. So good to, to chat with you. Thank um, you. For those who don't know what you do and what you're involved in, why don't you just explain a little bit who you are and what, mm. what are your stuff you're doing?
1: Mm. So I'm um, Eunice Mathu. And I'm the founder and project lead at Radisha Project Nairobi. And what we do, we reach out to female sex workers in our city. Our overall mission is to uh, restore dignity and hope to female sex workers in the city. So basically spread love to women uh, working prostitution.
0: Brilliant, I love that. And I, I want to dive straight into this because some of you and I have talked about a lot. But often the narrative is... If you want to help, if you want to see change, get involved in the big projects, serve with the big organizations, and get involved in church ministry, and that's the way you help. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think there's a bigger um, kind of narrative going on. Go on, talk a bit more about that.
1: Do mm. you know, you're so right that that narrative um, feels very one-sided, right? Mm. It feels as though... um, Or the story that we see and the story that we get is big, impressive people doing extraordinary stuff, impressive stuff. Mm. And for me, what that does, for an ordinary person like me, it just makes me feel, oh, my goodness, there is no way I would ever be able to do any of the kind of stuff that these people are achieving because I'm not wired that way. I am not... You know, I call it the Moses syndrome where I talk myself out into, into things and I say, I'm not charismatic enough. I'm not extroverted enough. <laughs> I am not like this. And also the imposter syndrome. I don't belong here. I, You got the wrong person, right? Mm. Um, so what that narrative has done is paralyzes us to feeling that mm. we can't act. We're not that kind of person. And I think, how do we change this narrative? For me... Um, we need to change that. We need to flip that on its head. We need to start telling stories of people doing ordinary things, seemingly ordinary stuff, mm. but having such an impact in our community. You know, I said this morning that we need to hear stories of um, people sharing, opening their houses and sharing a meal with strangers. Mm. That That's transformative. We need to hear stories of people walking and journeying with uh, younger generation and mentoring them, teaching them how to be leaders. And I like what Adrian is doing in Leadership 101, Mm. mentoring people to be leaders, that those leaders can then transform their communities around them. Um, And this morning I shared a story of um, Faith, my dear friend who lost her mom recently. Um, And I remember being in the prayer meetings uh, and in the memorial services, and coming out of those meetings thinking, oh, my goodness, that this is the story that needs to get told. Mm-hmm. Um, and the story of Faith's mom is she volunteered for 40 years, right, with St. John's Ambulance, um, That is more than half her life, that she committed herself um, to giving to her community, to serving people around her, Mm. um, not complaining and just every week showing up to these meetings. And those are the stories that we don't hear a lot, but those are the stories that we should tell.
0: Yeah, and I think I noticed that because um, we were at the memorial service together and mm. for some bizarre reason they decided to drag me up on stage, which was odd because I didn't like sitting up on the stage, but it meant I got a really good view of everyone. And as I was looking around, I was like, wow, there's a lot of people here who don't particularly know your mum who just decided to turn up and mm. say, hey, we're just going to help out, we're just going to be. And I think often it's kind of like the uncelebrated things that go a long way. Yeah. Um, I know, um, sorry, similarly, I didn't mention this this morning, but I'm reminded of it when so Abby and I had a miscarriage a number of years ago. And um, the, that evening we got back from the hospital. And we drove in and we just kind of, like, Abby and I just been talking, processing, we got in. And there was our community group. And they just stood there. And they just came, they just came and held us. And they, had like, they were like, look, we have no words. We, we don't know what to say to you that's going to be useful. We just want to hold you. And they just kind of turned up and they brought food. And I thought, like, mm. that's that's transformation right there, isn't it?
1: Yeah. When you need people the most. Yeah. And mm. I
0: think one of the things I've appreciated about the work you've done so well is that you chose to kind of... You didn't just have this passion, but you kind of... You got proximate to the situation.
1: Mm. Do you know that story of being proximate to people is so important, isn't it? Because they the closer we get to people, we see their need, we see their mess, we see the challenges that they face on a daily basis. And you can only see that if you're walking close to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the journey that we've been on with Regisha Project we started three years ago in 2019. So small, um, and even as we were starting, um, my faith was, oh my goodness, I'm not sure what we're about to do here. I'm not even sure that this is relevant. But I think it's in the walking with people that we've done um, over those three years, journeying with people closely, getting to see the real person. Um, And for me, it's walking long enough with the person to see their mask fall off Mm. Um, and that's what it's been like for us and I shared this morning a story of a of a lady, um, and by the way, we've started a new program, it's called Tivuke Pamoja Pilot Program. Um, Pamoja, for those who might not understand, it means let's cross over together. Um, and what we're doing with that pilot, with the five women who are enrolled, is to journey with them, to walk with them, um, even though we know that their end goal is to exit prostitution, but we know that there is so much in between that, right? It's journeying with people. And what we did this week, we had group therapy with a therapist, and it was amazing. I think for me, that's, that's the most incredible space that I've been on in a very long time, being in that room with these women and seeing them open up and, the, as I'm saying, the mask falling off and sharing things that they would have never shared with anyone else. We, had, we have a lady that we met, The very first night that we opened Rajeshya, and it was only this week that we got to learn she has two daughters, not one, Mm. because she has such a difficult relationship with the daughter because of what she did. She used to beat this daughter Mm. so much um, that the father came and picked her up and, and took her away from her because it was just so, so bad. And now she doesn't have a relationship with her daughter. But this week, she opened up and she said, I have two daughters, and I've carried so much pain from what I did to her, and Mm. so much shame, and we're in the room saying, it's okay, Mm. and we love you, and we will walk together, and we will see you get to the point where you can reach out to your daughter and say, I'm sorry, Mm. and then seeing what that looks like afterwards. That's where getting close to people Mm. looks like.
0: That's so good. And I I think, um, just hearing you say that... Mm. They're not. It's not always like there are burning social issues where we're called to transformation. Yeah. There's something much more often closer to home for many of us, aren't there? Where um, you now it reminded of that Mother Teresa quote: "If you want to change the world, go home and love your family."
1: Exactly.
0: And I just yeah. Do you want to speak into that? Like, what kind of a vision do we need to give people for that?
1: Um. So I think even when I talk about register right um, and saying that we started three years ago, for me there was a much bigger journey before 2019. Mm. So for me, this passion started back in 2012. So we're talking about 10 years of journeying with God and seeing what I might be able to do in this. So some of the things that I did um, were I surrounded myself with people who are already in the field. There will be someone already or an organisation already doing something that you're passionate about. Surround yourself with those people. And I volunteered in different organisations. One of the organisations that I volunteered with was um, an organisation looking after survivors of human trafficking from Africa into the UK. And I interned with them for six to seven months because I needed to know, am I actually even cut out for this? Is Mm. is this something that will fade away? And then the other thing I did, I looked out for an organization that worked with women in prostitution. And for a year, that's what I did. I volunteered on the streets. So the work that we do now with Rajeshya is inspired by the experiences that I had, um, volunteering and working with um, others. And Mm -hmm. I think you grew so much, even in your own leadership skills and in, in the way that you might identify a gap. If these people are not doing something, is there a gap? it might that be what God Mm. is calling you to plug in into. So there are so many things that you can do and I don't want people to feel, well, but the need that I have is so big and I don't know where to start. Just start by researching what is going on in the world around you. There might be someone else who have an organization, even if it's not in Kenya, it might be in Uganda, it might be in the US and start learning from what is going on. Um, That's what I would inspire people.
0: And to take I guess to take the kind of justice movements out of it for a moment. Yeah, how do we begin to earth this at home? Mm. With our families with our friends? Um, you know, I was, I was yesterday I did this thing at my kids school called the color run. And it's it's basically if you haven't done it, don't because you're gonna get really messy. But we did this thing yesterday, where basically you are going to run and they throw color at you. They throw like colored powder at you. So you end up kind of looking like an alien. Um, but anyway, so we're running around doing this and at the end of it, there's all these people, like multicolored people, just sit around there. Mm. And then throughout the rest of the day, wherever we went, it was like, oh, there's people and I thought, gosh, what a vision of like spreading a bit of God's love into our community in yeah. different ways that just like everywhere you pick this like you imagine if we left here as a body of people tonight and went over the next week we're just going to intentionally bless a couple of people. Yeah. Like, I'm going to intentionally spend a bit of time with this person, or I'm going to invite this person to share some food with me, yeah. that there would just be little marks of God's colour um, given out across our, our, our community. City. Yeah. Mm.
1: And, you know, you're so right. And for me, this goes back. I think the story of Jesus is so inspiring because... Um, jesus's story as you say he's either going to a mill uh coming up from a mill or in a mill itself and also so much more about the story of jesus is Small act of kindness, small act of generosity. Um, look at Jesus, um, the feeding of the five thousand with five fish and two loaves. I feel like that's what the journey for me with Rajesh has been. And I mm. shared this morning that it was five thousand that I had. And I remember trying to divide <laughs> the money that I had and saying to God, Oh my goodness, I don't have money, but I feel like I should commit to this thing. And taking that five thousand from my pocket and saying, You know what, Jesus. I have faith in what we're about to do. And this is me, I know it's not a lot and I know it's not grand, but I feel like I should um, take this as a gesture of saying to you mm. that I'm, I'm ready and I'm committed. And with that 5,000 and I bought a bag of rice and dengu, right, uh, lentils, and I cooked. And honestly, my goodness. Yeah, never experienced my cooking. That's not, you're your, so lucky. that's not your strong point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're so lucky if you have not. Um, and it's those small acts of um, actions that I think God really cares and mm. values right? It's not, if you think about the grand gesture, I think those things just leaves us feeling, oh my goodness, this is just too, far too much. And it's overwhelming. Um, And you talk yourself out of doing something because you're thinking, I can't do it. And I wanted to share a story actually of, um, where is OJ? He might be in the room. Because OJ reached out to me a few weeks ago uh, and said, look, I want to reach out to my community. Oh, there he is. He's, uh, He's at the door. Um, <laughs> Everyone looking. You won't
0: know why
1: you're looking at him. <laughs> um, reach out to me and said, "I've been. I have this idea to support my community, mm. and let me run some ideas by you." And OJ is a, is a chef, an amazing chef, and he has a restaurant somewhere in Gong, which we should all visit. Um, and I can only imagine. I've never run a restaurant before, but I can only imagine it's probably upwards of ten hours of hard craft. But he says, "But I still wanna." Um, uh, participate in the needs of my community. Mm. And he said, I want to make really good donuts, and I want to sell them. And what I sell, can I give 10% to, to Rejesha And I'm thinking, "Oj, you're an entrepreneur. I'm an entrepreneur. Every single shilling counts right but i just thought that is such a way to inspire anyone to just think that there is something on my fingertips that i can use i am blessed with skills am i very good with computer skills can i share those with um adult literacy um groups am i really good at making websites and if you are please see me because our website is not good i made it um so those kind of skills share them with others it doesn't have to be the grand gesture mm. it's what you have on your fingertips
0: yeah and um, we were talking earlier this week and we just came up with uh, a small like for those who are going, I don't know what this looks like this transformation we were just beginning to think of some of the really practical ways it could look like I know in our in our office this week because Chiquaza always eats we um, <laughs> when we meet Chiquaza eats that's our new church phrase <laughs> um, but like it was his birthday on Friday Woo! Hey. And just sharing cake together was mm. something powerful about that. Um, one of the things um, my parents used to do when I was growing up, and I, I think this is beautiful, is they always used to cook extra food on a Sunday and then just see who they could drag home from church to come and share a meal with us. Mm. And I just think that something like that is just so simple but so powerful. Um, what, are the, mm. what are the really, t- like, tiny, practical, everyday kind of things that you think are ways into transformation?
1: Wow, yeah, Um, do you know, even some of these things that we can do in our own community, we always have people uh, looking for jobs. So we have young guys going into their first job for the very first time. Sometimes I remember going to my first job and not even knowing how should I even present myself, what should I even wear. Is that something that you can say, look, I, I've already been working for about 5-10 years, I know this thing. Invite someone else who is or starting in their career mm-hmm. and saying, come and look through my wardrobe and take something with you that you can wear and present yourself in that way. I will we're not going to do that for each other. No, no, we? no, no, we're no. not going to do that. <laughs> um, and I want a t-shirt. <laughs> um, I will help you practice for your yeah. interview. That is so transformation. I think it's things that we can, um, they're readily available for us. Um, if you're really good at cooking, share that with someone who might be struggling um, to find a meal. Sure, we have university, you <laughs> I need food. Uh, we have people at university. I think working with them and journeying with them. We have people already going into a career that you're already in. What's kind of mentorship that you mm. can provide for those people? There are so many things. I don't want anyone to feel, oh, I walk away from here and I still cannot find something to plug in into there is something for you to plug in into and I think also finding um, spending time with God and saying what they, how did you make me how have you wired me and mm. how can I use those things that you've given me to help the people around me
0: and I think sometimes the position we have as well like I was hearing a story recently of the um, CEO of a company who passed away and um, at the and he was a CEO of this massive company you know it's close to a thousand employees and at the funeral, uh, they were talking about his life and faith. And he hadn't been particularly vocal about his faith, but in the uh, kind of eulogy, that they talked about his faith. And his receptionist went up to his wife afterwards and said, I knew he was a Christian. He was the only person who ever greeted me on the desk as he walked into the office.
1: Wow.
0: And it kind of like just small acts like that can become so deeply uh, yeah. transformational, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, can I offer you some questions?
1: Oh, I'll wow. go for it.
0: don't have a choice so predestination no i'm joking (laughs) okay um that's really interesting one. how do you get to know the impact as you apply yourself in the transformation process how do you see the impact i'm not sure you do right sometimes
1: i don't think you do and i shared this this morning and i nearly forgot about it and um in genesis one and two when God sends off uh, the Adam and Eve and he says, go cultivate the land. Mm. Why didn't he say, go plough the land? Right. Because ploughing the land is such something so different. It's the big stuff that we're talking about, mm. the heavy machinery, is the turning over of the soil. Whereas cultivate the land is something so, you, you get to do it um, one patch at a time. If you know the way they, they um, farm in the village, that's what it looks like. By the time you're cultivating this piece of land and by the time you move on to this piece of land this piece needs to be cultivated <laughs> again and I think that's what um, even for me working mm. with radisha, that's what it feels like I'm doing there is constant weeds I'm going back to pluck them out and then by the time I'm going back to this other side there are more weeds growing on this mm. side and I think that's okay yeah. that is okay because all we have to do is um send it all back to God. It's using all those things that we're, we're doing, the uprooting of the weeds, the walking with people who um, just feel so messy, um, someone who perhaps is struggling with addiction. Mm. And every time you pray and every time you feel, oh, I think we made a milestone, next week mm. there are the bar. Yeah. How do you continue walking with someone like that? How do you continue loving them? And I think that's what we've got to do.
0: Yeah, and I think as we invite God into this um, journey, I realize there are some, one of the things I do, this isn't one of my little things, I try and do an awkward coffee every week. I call it an awkward coffee. Sometimes it's not awkward and sometimes it's not coffee, but it's basically my thing to go, how do I give away a bit of myself to spend time with someone? And one of the things I realize is when I don't get anything back or I don't feel like it's going anywhere or I don't think it's useful, if I've invited God into that process, at least I've spent time with God, if nothing else. Mm. And I think if I can choose to see God as part of this, and this is part of God's economy, there's no wasted energy in God's economy. And we could begin to grow, if, if nothing else, even if this person is unaffected by kind of the things that we do, mm. if, not, if nothing else, we begin to be formed in a different way, more like the people of Jesus, I think.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Here's a really good one. When you are overwhelmed, or simply become maybe past overwhelmed and numb to the pain of things? Where do you start to unlearn those things that you might start again?
1: Wow, that's a good question. And again, I, because this is, this is my journey. This is the journey that I'm talking about. And when, I, when we say Rajeshya Project, that's only been three what? years Um, but there has been a a seven-year journey of feeling overwhelmed and the need is far too great, and Mm. I am not able to do anything. But I think just remembering that God already sees, God is a God who sees the injustice, the needs that you're seeing, the needs that are overwhelming you, that he already knows about those things, and he Mm. will always see them. And one of the things that I've managed to... um, do this year is to always send it back to god and even with our women as messy as they are and troubled as they are i go back to god and say but this is your world Mm -hmm. these are your ladies they're not Mm -hmm. mine i'm just here as your hands and feet i push them back to you i will pray them to you i'll bring them back Mm -hmm. to you because they're yours they're not mine so when it's so overwhelming just say to god i have no idea i don't even know whether i'm doing anything and usually those are my prayers um I call them tantrums with God because they're not prayers and I just go to God and I say I don't know why you sent me here it doesn't feel as though we're doing anything I'm not even sure we're making an impact but all these things that we do all the small acts of kindness in our um outreach we share cups of coffee and teas and we share home-cooked meal and sometimes It might seem like such a big, uh, such a small thing to offer to someone who has such a great need, Mm -hmm. but you know what? It has gone a long way, and it's really appreciated by these ladies, Mm -hmm. the fact that we sit down and we spend time with them, knowing that sometimes they don't even have money to pay rent for that month, but Mm -hmm. they come and they spend time with us, and I think... When you're overwhelmed by the need, just one step at a time, mm. the one cup of coffee that you share with someone and just offer it back to God and say, that was my mustard seed that mm. I just offered. Now you grow it and you water it.
0: And then one of the things you talk about a lot is um, helping people feel seen and known. Mm. And I think it's often uh, easy to, as we're kind of looking at things, see the the big issue and be uh, be hurt by things as we're removed from it. but. I found as I've got close things, even really frustrating situations where I don't understand why this is going wrong, why I don't understand why this isn't changing, yeah. if you're close in that time and you can see and know someone, mm. you know, it's almost like beginning to walk a little bit in their shoes that you might mm. learn a bit of their story, yeah. I think that makes it easier as well.
1: It does, and they also let you in, um, and that's what uh, we do with this pilot. We don't know what we might actually achieve at the end of this. Um, It might be that we get women into jobs, it might be that Mm. we get women into, into businesses. But for us, it might be that we get them reconnect with their own children. Mm. And that is a big win. Whatever win we get, we are celebrating it, yeah. and we will celebrate it. At the end of this, we plan to have a graduation, and we're gonna go all out. It's gonna be a party. Um, we will um, have all the sorts that you can think of for a party because mm. we want to celebrate them yeah. for the journey that they've been on.
0: Yeah, I love that. And as we look at like the prodigal son story, the party began not when everything was sorted out, but as it, at the moment he was with the father. Right? Absolutely. Um, just a couple of things and, we're gonna, and then we're going to close with some worship um, as we reflect on this. Sorry for those questions I haven't been able to ask, but, um, you know, when the kind of vision for social justice that the world offers is really loud, how do we offer a godly vision? I know this is a conversation you and I have had a lot about That's, what does Jesus in the middle of social justice look like? Oof. How do you seek God's version of transformation and social justice? Yeah
1: what's just as flowing like a river as it is in Mm -hmm. in Amos um and I think it's I have to always remove myself from the situation and not make it about me because if I make it about me then I am jumping on the feminist movement which I still think I'm a bit of a feminist um and I'm making that about me I think it's for me, it's constantly asking God, what is your goal? Um, you know, I used to spend a lot of time um, doing the New Year's resolution and asking and, and, and putting mine down. And then I realized I actually never achieve any of those goals. <laughs> um, so I switched that. And the last two years, what I've done, I spent the beginning of the year asking God, what do you want to do? What are your mm. goals for this year? How might I, how might I be a part of it? Yeah. And when it's, From God, all I'm doing, I'm just a participant in what He wants to do. It doesn't feel so much as though I'm carrying the burden of achieving all of these things. He will do it. I am just a participant. I'm just His hands and feet, right? Because that's His vision. That's what He wants to achieve. Um, That's what I would encourage.
0: Yeah, and I think, I think the only thing I may add to that is I just think being close to the Jesus story helps. Yeah it's really easy to be sucked in by the narratives of our time because they're big and they're loud. Mm-hmm. And as we look at the narrative of Jesus, a little bit like we did earlier tonight, it can, it can feel different or strange. And I think we've got to lean into to Jesus. And the series we're moving into after this series is going to be, what if Jesus was serious? What if Jesus was serious about the things that he said and the things that he offered? And I think that's our challenge to go, you know, when Jesus said, pray for your enemies, what if he was serious about that? <laughs> Um, which in the space you work for is, is pimps, is traffickers, oh. is some people we do not want to invite to our dinner party. Like, what does it look to pray for them? I don't know. Mm. Um, and what if Jesus was serious about these things, I think, is a really good question to ask ourselves. Um, I'm going to close with this. I know we're not going to do this justice, but I think we should really touch on that, is how do we How do we handle a God who allows suffering and pain
1: Cool.
0: so just a light one to finish with guys uh and in lives of our followers because i think this is the thing i found hardest some of the most passionate beautiful amazing christians i found are some of the sex workers on our streets right mm,
1: yeah
0: and how I do we reconcile mm-hmm. pain and suffering in that in that mm-hmm. world i'm asking you because i have no idea
1: <laughs> i was about to put it back to you <laughs> um I still choose to believe that God is good and that in everything that he is good. And that's hard for me, even at times, to be out on the streets and to see a young 19-year-old who's barely just got through their education and has been kicked out because she's just gotten pregnant. And I struggle sometimes to just ask, where are you, God, in this? How is this fair? Um, But... I still choose to believe that God is good and that God is doing great things. And the, thing, the reason why I say that is because I honestly believe in the, in the journey of Rajesha Project, in the journey of what we're doing, because we see um, God transforming the very broken, the very hearting, mm-hmm. the, very, the stories that we hear. Sometimes I just say to God, I don't know how you're going to do it, and starting to see the transformation that he's doing, I wonder whether sometimes he's also using that, the mess of the world, to teach us something, Mm. to teach us something about him, Mm. that we look back to him, that he is good and that he can be trusted, even in everything that is going on.
0: You know, I get asked, does God not have an answer for the suffering in our world? I I think he does. I think they're sat in the chair that you're sat in. is certainly part of it. And there's a responsibility that each of us has um, to that. And just, I think, just to say, probably theologically, God doesn't orchestrate, um, you know, people's illnesses and pains. He's not trying to teach us a lesson by giving us cancer, for goodness sake. This is a God who loves us. Um, but he does choose to come and to get alongside. And there's a promise that goes beyond this world. that Every tear will be wiped away. That this is not uh, our ultimate reality. That there is one another one to come, yeah. where those things will be uh, taken away. I think we um, choose to worship God again and again. And I think um, in the toughest moments of my life, I said, uh, "I remember the song um, because He lives, I can face tomorrow." Mm-hmm. And I think turning back to those kind of powerful words, because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Um, because he lives or fear is gone. Mm. Um, Just for those who are interested in this, two really good resources I would point you to. Philip Yancey wrote a book called Where Is God When It Hurts? And Pete Gregg wrote another one called God on Mute, Mute. which was his response to uh, seeing him run this amazing kind of prayer ministry all over the world, seeing people healed all over the world. And yet his wife suffer from epilepsy and just fitting in front of him and he wrote a book called God on Mute which was how do you engage in the silence uh, when we pray into these things and when there's suffering and pain and we're going to pray in a minute um, you know one of the things we've realized as a church is uh, you know if we don't pray um, then things never get better but if we do pray sometimes they get better Mm. That's not to say this is a blanket response, mm. uh, but to say that as we lean into God, he, he, things happen. Yeah. Um, guys, can we stand together? and, Eunice, I wonder if you'll just lead us in prayer for our communities. We mm. seek to be people of transformation, people of, of God's narrative for our yeah. world.
1: Mm. Heavenly Father we come to you because you're a good lord we come to you because you're a good father thank you jesus for the way that you have made us thank you jesus for the heart that you have created inside of us hearts that wants to see our world transformed Mm -hmm. thank you that you've given us the desire to look into our community and to see needs and to see challenges and to see people Mm. So, Lord, I ask that everyone who is present here today, that, Lord, you will show us where you want us to plug in. Is that in our families? Is that with our colleagues? Is that with a guy that we always see on the bus um, and we've Hmm. never said hi to them? Is that with a guard who locks up our gates at the end of the evening and we've never even said hi to him? Where do you want us to plug in, Lord Jesus? I believe that each one of us, as you say, in Ephesians 2, that we are all your workmanship, Mm. that you made us with a vision um, and you prepared something for us to do here. So we're not here just to survive and just to go on our days, ignoring the needs in our communities. I believe that you made us so that we can plug in and that we can be Jesus to the people around us, that we can extend grace to people around us and love and kindness. So Jesus, I pray that today you inspire us. You inspire us to know that we can all play a part in making our city, our nation, and our towns better. Mm. So how might we do that? Is it a simple act of inviting someone for a meal? Is it a simple act of sharing a cup of coffee with a stranger? Is it a simple act of mentoring someone? Inspire us, Lord Jesus, and send us mm. forth to do your work of transforming our community.
0: Mm. In your name we pray. Yeah. And guys, while we're stood here, let's just pray for Rajeshia. Let's pray for Eunice. Let's just stretch out our hands and, and pray for her. Let's offer up these prayers. Lord God, we thank you so much for Eunice, for Teresa, for Rajeshia and the work that you're doing. And we pray, Lord, now that you would um, break it. That you would rain down with your spirit in that place. Lord, come and bring the transformation that comes for you, invading people's hearts and invading their lives. Lord, we pray protection over this team. We pray protection over these ladies. We pray for your spirit to reign. That, Lord, we would see your kingdom come here on the streets of Nairobi as it is in heaven. Lord, that you would change a narrative, that you would change uh, so much that we feel often powerless to do. But, Lord, you are all-powerful come, Lord Jesus, and have your way, we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay. Thank you so much, Eunice. Guys, why don't you just put our Thank hands you together for Hey, everybody, so nice to see you.
1: So glad you're here.
0: Oh, 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 oh. Oh, 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 oh. Hey, everybody,
1: so nice to see you.